Welcome to the Exploring Leadership Podcast, where we interview experienced HR leaders and executives to define what the most effective leaders are made of and how to help underperforming leaders transform into the best they can be. Brought to you by Lumen Leadership. Now, here's your host, Spencer Taylor. All right, well, welcome to this episode. I'm very blessed to have as our special guest today, Hi Leva, who is the Chief Revenue Officer over at Influx. And we'll, we'll learn more about Hi and more about Influx. But welcome, Hi. So grateful that you would invest your time with me here today. I appreciate it, Spence. Spence, you know, I got to tell you, it's absolutely an honor being on your podcast. I am an avid runner. And for me, running is this meditation and the opportunity cost of being able to multitask. I have listened to pretty much all of your episodes and it is a solid world-class podcast. And for me personally, I learn well with stories, right? You give me a book of 500 pages and I can absorb that. It can take me you know, a while to read it, but here in 30 second, 30 minute bite-sized piece of um, knowledge and hearing someone's story, I walk away with one or two concrete things I can do differently or challenge my con- conventional way of thinking about things. So hats off to you. Thank you so much. You're very, very kind uh, with that compliment and grateful for your thoughts and feedback. And I think I may have even shared this off the air that I often think of this whole process of uh, creating this together as like we're standing at a canvas. We both have some paints and we're about to paint something. And we we have some general ideas we've talked about ahead of time. But I love the artistic process of creating uh, and just grateful that you would pick up your paints and and paint with me. So anyway, <laughs> I love, love your kind words. Grateful for that. Uh, I'd love to hear a bit more about you. I've been fortunate to hear a little bit about you off, off the air, but uh, for our listeners, why don't you just, I'd love for you to give us your, the highlights of uh, some of the highlights or headlines is kind of how I like to think of it, of your life and what has brought you to this point of being a, a senior leader at Influx. Sure. So I, like most kids growing up, Education was really important to me. And that's been a theme for me in my life is just being a lifelong learner. So born in London, grew up in a small town in South Mississippi of 1,200 people, one functioning traffic light. And for me, I knew that the only way out of that was through a solid education. I was blessed to you know have scholarships all through school, studied engineering in undergrad. And I thought like most kids, I was going to be a doctor, um, was a scientist for a while. And actually, I'm a published scientist decided medicine was not my my calling and spent then um, a lot of time in telecom. Worked my way from the technology side all the way to the business side across two companies, which have taken me to 50 countries, 15 years of experience in telecom, about a dozen, uh, about $12 billion worth of business during that time, buying and selling companies and leading sales teams. Had a lot of fun. And again, that theme of being a lifelong learner, I thought at the end of that experience, being recruited from so many companies away from telecom, I was an A player sales leader. But the reality is I was probably a B minus sales leader. And the reason is I went on to advertising and media um, in Clear Channel. And my experience there, I learned so many different tools. So if you'd asked me at the end of my telecom experience, hi, can you solve problem A, B, or C in sales, I'd say yes. And then I would only know one or two ways of solving that. But because of my experience and exposure to other industries, I now have three to five different ways of solving and looking at the problem through a different lens. 
So spent a few years in uh, advertising and media at Clear Channel Outdoor, part of iHeartMedia. Then uh, did a stint in fintech, specialty finance, some legal tech, more specialty finance. And then when COVID had, had hit, I was actually in a self-imposed retirement, working actively with about half a dozen startups, advising them and investing in some and, and just having a lot of fun. And um, I got an opportunity of a lifetime, again, being a lifelong learner. Uh, NFLUX is a higher ed, ed tech company where we help educators to optimize their time and improve student outcomes. So for me, I know that my parents who hail from India, if they didn't leave India back in the day, I would be that guy wearing flip-flops in my village of about 50 homes, living on probably 50 cents or a dollar a day. So education has really brought me to where I am. And education doesn't always have to just be the degree, right? For me, it's what you can learn. Again, the podcast, your podcast is an exceptional and an amazing uh, point in case where I can learn so much without having to go to a classroom. I'm blown away by your story in a couple of specific ways. And I want to pull on a couple of threads from what you shared in, in that nice, very nice introduction. One thing that came to my mind was it's just, I can't even remember the exact words you, you used, but as you, as you spoke those words, I was just thinking, how do you, well, it, it was actually your A player comment. Um, you know, you, you thought you were an A player, you gained a broader perspective and that helped you realize some additional progress you could make. I think that's really meaningful in the sense that we have to make some of those decisions in our lives on whether to avoid some of those broader realities or embrace those moments of learning of what we don't know that opens up a possibility on where we can go from here. Like often there's a specific context that is used to measure our performance. And again, I'm sure you were an A player in, in context of your industry and some of that, but but you you had the humility and awareness to to recognize that you could find six ways to solve the problem instead of just two or you know how you kind of describe that process so how do you strike that right balance because we can't just be beating ourselves up saying i i don't know enough and i'm i'm worthless obviously like we have to have the confidence and be able to continue to learn at the same time anyway so i, I didn't phrase that very well as a question but i'd love to no, hear your it's, thoughts it's a really interesting theme cuz i remember in my 20s when you first become a manager thinking, oh yeah, I know everything and you really don't. And it's a, it's a humbling experience. And I think with, with age, I've become a lot more tempered, less animated, although I, you know, I do, do get animated, but it's, I don't have all the answers and I can't solve every problem and extracting and learning from my team. And acknowledging that, you know what, I don't have all the answers and we're going to learn together. We're going to grow together. And every day, if we are just a little uncomfortable, we are moving the needle of relentless incrementalism, right? We're getting a little bit better every day. My wife and I used to do a really interesting topic. So I've been in the, in the working world for 25 years at the end of this year and been married 24 years, got married very young. And we used to spend time between that, that little time between Christmas and New Year's uh, in our 20s. And we'd go to a restaurant with a blank sheet of paper and say, personally, professionally, and, you know, as someone in the family, what do we want to do to improve, right? So it's like, hey, I want to be a better son. You know, I think I need to, to learn how to listen to you a little bit better, honey, right? Instead of like jumping into problem solving mode or professionally, one of the most gratifying things that I've ever done in my career 
it's not the stuff that's in your day job or in your job description, right? Embracing and stepping up when you're in a big company, medium company, small company, stuff that's outside of your box can bring so much value and perspective back into your day job. For example, things like, you know, when I worked at Bell Labs Lucent, which is now part of Nokia, there back in those days, you know, it was unusual for somebody who's an engineer type to actually stand up at the director meeting your department meeting and present, right? And there's a lot of grunt work that was required, but I stepped up and I was so comfortable and confident speaking, right? I used to be a DJ back in my college days. Actually, I'm, I'm actually, a, I have an award from the governor of Tennessee for one of my radio shows. And while that's an interesting skill, it's not a skill that's going to help me every day, but having the confidence and the ability to stand up in front of two or 3000 people without something that's rehearsed and know how to work my voice in the microphone, especially in today's time when everything is done over Zoom, it's been so much fun, right? No, that's awesome. All right. I love that. And again, you're, you're just naturally good at uh, sharing those, those learning moments through experience share. And, and I think that's the, again, like he's kind of said at the beginning, that's such a great way to learn for the rest of us who are listening, just to, to hear what you went through that created some of those pivot points. The other specific thing that, uh, kind of relates to what you just said, but also was included in your intro is just this thought that our lives turn on very small hinges, like these little moments, like you, you mentioned, if one little thing hadn't happened, basically, if your, your, uh, your parents hadn't made a specific decision, or you could even go back to their parents, you know, just this, the cascading of decisions, you might be still a wonderful person, but in a village that had limited opportunities and living in, I think you said 50 cents or a dollar a day, like just in a really tough, uh, tough environment. Um, and yet you've been able to, through your own effort and through the blessings of choices made before uh, you came along, have had a tremendous opportunity. So any, any thoughts along those lines of, of those little hinges that our lives turn on, how do we give, I guess, recognize that credit certainly is partially our own choices, but largely rests with those who've gone before us? Yeah. I mean, again, it's a story, right? It's a story. I was really lucky about two and a half years ago, I was at a conference in Chicago where uh, one day was um, Bill Clinton that spoke. And the next day, the keynote was um, former President Bush. And Bill Clinton said something really interesting. He said, when you talk about stories and bring people back to that common denominator, it's so important, right? And at the end of the day, there's as an active investor, I can tell you there's so many investments that I like the space, I like the financial model, but I couldn't really resonate with the story and I couldn't really invest in the person. So with sales or as an executive or in the corporate world, we have to build teams through that are passionate, that are engaged, that are loyal, and that believe in the greater good of what we're doing as a company. Right. And so for me, I've been so blessed that I don't feel like I've ever really worked a day in my life. And usually on a Sunday night, I can't sleep at night in my twenties because I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to work tomorrow. I get, I'm getting paid to do this. You know, uh. <laughs> like you pinch yourself, like I'm learning all these things and, and they're actually paying me <laughs> and paying me pretty well. <laughs> so. <laughs> Boy, that's awesome. I, I love, I love that perspective. And I, I think that, uh, one of the things, the audience, as you know, for the podcast is uh, generally senior leaders, a lot of C-level and VP and director level uh, leaders. But if there are any any people out there who are listening who are kind of stuck, 
meaning even if it is in a leadership role, but you feel stuck, like you're not really doing the work that you feel that way. You just described of not even being able to go to sleep the night before because you're so thrilled with that prospect of another day of this amazing thing. Like I, I feel like we all ultimately can achieve that. Uh, some Sometimes it requires some very uncomfortable transitions of whether that's going to get a credential or, uh, you know, networking with new people that can sometimes be awkward or uncomfortable for people or, you know, whatever it is. Do you have any specific advice for folks in that type of situation where in their heart, they kind of know they need to make a change or want to make a change, but it, it's tough. Sure. No, I've, I've been through some scenarios where I felt like I felt that my skill set wasn't evolving as quickly or needed to test whether the skill set was and my experiences were I could translate them into different industries or different spaces. And something I did possibly five or six years ago was I've started being an active formal and informal advisor to some boards and have joined some boards as well. And usually at the startup level and and that's really helped me because you have your day job, right? Where you have to do what you're doing. And sometimes the creativity and being able to just uh, we all studied in, in business school, take the, go to the balcony, right? When you look down, when you're dancing on the dance floor, you, you only see the person next to you, that one circle, but you don't see three, four people away from you. You don't see the patterns. So going out on the balcony and actually seeing the patterns on the dance floor is super interesting. So I've actually forced myself to be uncomfortable and the romance and the desire to learn a different space, a different industry. I really love learning different business models and being an advisor and bringing those experiences and that learning and those best and pra- best practices to the, the firm or the organization where you're advising, whether it's formally or informally, it doesn't matter. And bringing that actually makes my day job that much more exciting and, and I'm much more powerful, much more impactful there too. Now, I will say... If you're, most people leave because they don't like their, their boss, right? And so most of the folks that listen to your podcast are managers, right? And executives. My evolution in management and leadership thinking, I, I am, a, I have a servant heart. I can be the manager and be very prescriptive when I need to be, but that's not fun for anybody, right? That's that part of that, that conversation and the engagement where it's like, look, we're not going to have fun and these are going to be some tough conversations, but let's get the train back on the track. And then we can lead and we can innovate and and move the needle. But coming down to the level of where your employee or your team member really wants to be communicated to, what makes them tick, I think the paradigm maybe of yesteryear was that I am the manager, I'm the C-level, everybody has to communicate the way I want to be communicated to. That's, That's shifted, right? That's completely shifted. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's so right on. And I really love your your comment. And I think we could even take that as, as somewhat of a preliminary or auxiliary action item. We're going to talk more about action toward the end, but uh, forcing ourselves to be uncomfortable. Like, I think that is such an important principle because, again, it's likely that uh, most most listeners are successful in their current domain. But how much more could they do if they're willing to not necessarily totally leave what they're doing? But to go learn in a cross cross industry way, like go learn from someone else doing something you know nothing about, or go discover something that uh, 
that makes you uncomfortable, like go pursue that instead of like, okay, I'm willing to be uncomfortable if it comes to me and someone encroaches on my bubble or, you know, my comfort zone, but rather being proactive in it. Uh, and yeah, I just, I loved your comments just about the way leadership is evolving and it's no longer a command and control type of a structure, I guess is how I would think of it, but rather it, it's more of uh, actively learning together. Of course, there still has to be structure uh, and some hierarchy, but I think the, the great thing, you know, sometimes the young, younger generation, the up and coming, um, like my oldest son is about to turn 19. So kind of his generation and even 10 years older than him or so, uh, they sometimes get a bad rap, uh, because they're more interested in experience than they are security. Like, like they, they aren't necessarily about, I'm going to work for this company for 30 or 40 years and just be the company man or woman. But rather, like, how can I make a difference? How can I uh, be involved and actively engaged in the process of growing an organization? And I personally, I think that's one of the best things we have going for us as a human race today is that natural kind of curiosity and, and ability to, I guess, to branch out beyond just the traditional kind of career trajectory. hundred percent. And, you know, for sure, I there, you know, you can really think about people not in different boxes, but just differently by ages and even ethnicity. For example, when it used to be that there's Gen X, Gen Y, of course, but the millennials don't really stick around in jobs for, you know, longer than two to two to three years. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Gone are the days when uh, IBM is your company for life. That's not, that's not today, right? There's no pension and the experience and being comfortable being out of a job for a little while too, and recharge, learn a new skill, go back into something else. Um, the other thing that really brought home a point for me recently is how you're communicating to your company or your staff, as well as your audience when you're marketing and selling and all that. The Hispanic experience is so rich, right? You can't speak to every ethnicity the same way, especially if you're in a B2C um, space. Of course, I spent most of my career in B2B, but in some instances, that C piece was at the table. So I had to be very cognizant that my messaging and the way we're, we're dealing with buying power, social media, how people consume data, how they consume messages, it's different across different ethnicities as well as age groups. Hmm. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, in, in many ways becoming more complex, I think, as information is more available, I mean, our, you know, I think part of the reason uh, this is just kind of my own belief, I don't know that I have any hard data on this, but uh, again, the millennials and younger are so adaptable is because they're used to being able to get answers to questions with a few clicks on the t keyboard or the, the screen anymore in more, in more cases than not. Like access to answers is greater than it's ever been. You know, when you and I were, Kids, I know you're a little bit older than I am, probably by a couple of years, but uh, I remember encyclopedias. Like we had a room where there was an encyclopedia, and you had to go pull the oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the B off the shelf if you wanted to learn something about whatever it starts with B. I didn't have an example there, but anyway, you know. You, and then there's the annual update too. Do you remember those days when there's yes. the annual update? You had to buy those so that as you get current information that's been outdated, and you have to cross reference those. Yeah, I remember that. That's. Um, <laughs> Those were some good days. I mean, that was kind of fun. Like, <laughs> but you're, but it's anyway. It's it's good to celebrate where we are and and to embrace uh, how we can leverage the the new way of of, uh, of leading 
and the new way of learning, I guess you could say, then it's easy to get caught up in information overwhelm as well. Um, so anyway, shifting gears a bit, I really want to give us a few minutes to dig into a wonderful article you wrote a little while ago. You had just had your 21st anniversary, I believe, was kind of the event of, of your career. Uh, and you wrote an article that reflected on what you wish you knew. And there were just some excellent points from that. So I'd love for you to just to highlight a bit of, uh, of what you shared there. And maybe we can just have a little a kind of a conversation around it. Oh my, that was, that was a good four years ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to celebrate, what is it? The diamond or golden at 25 this, this, yeah. this, uh, this October. Yeah. I think there were about four different themes. Memory serves, um, leading versus managing. And I think we've touched on that. And I think everybody wants to be a manager, but there's a real fine line and the difference between leading and managing. I've been in organizations where I didn't have the title but I had the influence and I had more power than people two levels above me, right? But that's because I was leading, right? Not not really managing people. Embracing being a connector. I absolutely love putting people together, right? And um, somebody is working on a certain project. Can you, hey, you might want to talk to my buddy. He's in a space that's similar to that or he has an experience and just learning from people. And it could just be the proverbial 15-minute 20 minute Zoom call, which used to be the 30 minute Starbucks meeting back in the day. Uh, if you remember those days. <laughs> yeah. um, so being a connector has just been great, um, gets people out of the space. And when I mean by connector, think about networking. And people want to network often because they're looking for a job or, oh no, I need, I need another 500 more connections on my LinkedIn to hit the tipping point. No, if you if you network and connect with people or connect people with people with a clean heart and when you don't need a job and for the sake of just giving back and, and paying it forward, those dividends, even though you don't do it for the dividends, come back and pay you tenfold, hundredfold in ways you didn't even expect. And that's so much fun, right? Just seeing that. Another theme, I believe, from the, the blog post, the article was finding your passion. For me, of course, there's passion in what I do. I've often said for one of the biggest career successes for me that I, I want to be remembered by is not the titles, it's not the money, it's not the, the sales goals or any of that. It's the number of people that I helped develop a diamond that was obviously rough and polished the diamond. And it's I've been blessed to be able to do this across a few industries where horses, i.e. salespeople and marketing leaders from my team have been sought after in the marketplace, right? So it's like competitors are often wanting to poach folks because it's that proverbial, what is it? Um, the virgin guy. Um, oh, or, uh, yeah. Uh, holy cow. I can't remember all of a sudden either. We should know his name, yeah, right? Richard Branson. <laughs> Richard Branson. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Branson. Yeah, his story, if you ever read his out of Divergent Way, obviously in the biography, it, it, they said the, the CFO said, well, gee, we just, we just said to him, we just trained up all these people. And then they laughed eventually. So Richard Branson said, well, imagine if we didn't train them and they stayed. <laughs> right. Yeah. So one of the most profound thing that's ever happened to me at um, early in my career, you know, that first engineering promotion should take five years. I think I did it in two and a half years. I've always had that little edge that I'm going to, the rules aren't for me and I'm going to be the exception. 
But in that meeting with my manager, who's still a great friend to this day, she said, hey, hi, you know, congratulations. We're going to promote you. It's going to happen in a month. The paperwork is in HR. That's the good news. The bad news is I really think that in the next six months, I need you out of my team and out of my department. Wow. And I, I almost broke out in tears, right? This is like 27-year-old high, 28-year-old high, thinking about I was you know about to start the MBA. And I'm like, you, you're going to fire me? No high. You have articulated to, to me and your department head exactly what you want to do in your career. And we think you've already learned everything you can in my, in my team and in our department. We're going to help you land that next job in our organization. And I've had multiple conversations with folks in my team where it's, gee, the next 18 months, we're going to take you from here to here. I think you're going to be too good to really stay on my team and, you know, and, and get the same re- visceral reactions. Like, wait up, you're, you're telling me you're going to kick me out of the team. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you can stay as long as you want to, but I think you're destined for bigger and better things. And my, my organization might not give you that opportunity. If it does, that's great, but I'm going to help you land that next job too. Right. So you just have a, you have a team that is dedicated, that is engaged and they're, they're, they're on board. Um, and then lastly, it was just self-awareness. I think being, a, we touched on that too, a little tempered. I think in my, I, I remember in my twenties yelling and screaming and hollering, you know, in meetings when I didn't get my way and ultimately did get my way. That probably wasn't the right way of doing things. And I guess high every five years is just a little more evolved and a little better. And, you know, I might think today I'm an A player, but I think in five or 10 years, I'll look back and high of, um, the 2020s, that that uh, half decade was probably like a B minus. So just trying to get a little better every day. There is so much power in each each point that you just listed. I'm, I'm sure we could probably dissect and, and convert each of those into their own episode. I'm just so grateful uh, for what you shared. I, I, I love this, uh, I guess, second most recent point, uh, just in you sharing the experience of you going through it uh, as your leader fired you, so to speak, you know, placed you somewhere else, uh, gave you the opportunity somewhere else. I think that that requires, um, sometimes requires a pretty big shift uh, because we think of our team is and should be our, our most important asset. But there's kind of this caveat to that, that if you have someone who's an excellent performer that you actually feel is being held back by remaining on your team, just this idea, it's a, it's a pretty big paradigm shift, I think, to a lot of, it's almost countercultural, I guess. But this idea of uh, promoting them out of your team, whether that's, you know, actually a promotion or just moving them to a different function that better aligns with what's going to be a growing opportunity. I think, the, I think the power of that is really that from the different times that I've seen, a, I guess, a similar scenario, you end up with still a really powerful team because people want to be on your team because they see that you're not going to hold back any credit from what they're doing and you're going to make a change for them if they have uh, greater things they can do elsewhere. Like anyway, how do you get to that? Like if you have the leader that's more traditional and they're trying to make that shift, what do you think are the kind of the steps that they need to take or maybe a, a core principle that they can grab hold of that would help them make that the frame shift or paradigm shift? I think it's the servant heart, right? It's when I get a Slack message from anybody on my team, um, gee, do you have a minute? My response is always, always have time for you. You know, for me, mm. I could be sitting in the meeting with the CEO or an investor. And if one of my salespeople say, Hey, I'm working a deal and I'm stuck and I got to get in front of the customer. That is the most important thing to me, right? My, my main customer 
is my team, then the customer that pays, then the C-suite and the investors, right? Because if, if my team is engaged, happy, and supported, then then they're going to thrive, right? It's it's creating conditions where someone can can be successful, and that's and that's hard because there are some instances, and, and this is parenting hat too, right? Where you see somebody on your team and you know they have that gift, you know they have the potential, but they're they're completely happy just doing their job, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, look, I don't want to be in management. I don't want a, a PhD in this topic. I'm sh- I'm really happy putting in 40, 50, 55 hours, 60 hours a week. I'm learning. I'm engaged. I love the culture. But this is all I can really think about right now. And there, you know, you can't push someone prematurely if, if they don't want to be pushed, right? Or developed in this instance. Yeah. No. And and I love that you called that out. That there's kind of two two ends of the spectrum. On one hand, someone ultimately wants to rise to that and just needs some help getting there. Like they, they just need a little bit of a boost to make that jump. And in, in other cases, they're vehemently against it in the sense that they're just delighted with where they are and that's where they want to contribute. So, yeah, I think the key, I love your statement about your main customer being your team. In the traditional sense, you, you say, you know, always listening to the customer. And that certainly would apply here in, in this context of thinking of that internal customer of, what, what do they consider success? What, what do they ultimately want? And allowing that to be the driver rather than your own anxiousness about uh, the fact that they could do more. Anyway, yeah, so I, I just love that uh, the balancing effect that you, you laid out. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Kind of getting down to the end of our conversation, what, uh, again, you've already been so generous in sharing several things that uh, that I know we can all take and run with. Is there one thing that that kind of floats to the top and, and uh, stands out from the rest that you'd like to present to our listeners that they can go and apply? Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's just one thing. It's find your voice and always get a little bit better every day. And the market is changing so fast. Industry is changing so fast. Business is changing so fast, again, as a sales leader. And I tell myself and my team this every day. If I'm doing things at the middle of this year that I did at the middle of last year, the same way in the same fashion, I'm a dinosaur, um, even, even with, you know, my experience. And so learning and being open to seeing things in a different way, failing fast, failing cheap, doing some controlled experiments, um, but just having fun, right? Having fun. And I think when, as a leader, you're having fun and you're engaged and you care and you're passionate that energy really, you know, that really percolates and, you know, through the, the whole organization, everybody, everybody gets it. And that's the environment and the place where I am now at, at Influx, we just have a passion for education and optimizing outcomes for students is even more important these days, especially with distance learning and hybrid learning. And we just love what we do. And you can't put that on a PowerPoint and say, now we're going to have a, a, a passion and a culture that really, you know, that's what we do. And so for, for us, for example, when, whenever we hire new people, they actually sit in on, on standups, one of our standups and the leadership team disappears and everybody talks to each other. And if you could have the right skills, you could have the contacts, you'd have everything. But if you don't fit in the culture, if you're not going to be an integral part of the team, then, then you're not probably not shouldn't be here. Well, that's, that's awesome. Just so well put. I, I love your initial part of that invitation. Of course, the whole thing, but I loved how you said, find your voice. I always get a little better every day. 
like that. That's just that uh, kind of thirst for not just thirst for learning in a general sense, but uh, seeking to make that strong connection, you know, so that you can get to that place that you described earlier so nicely of uh, unable to get uh, get your mind to go to sleep because you're so excited about what's to come the next day. And you, and you can hardly believe that you're getting paid to do the work that you're doing. Like, I think that's such a great place to, to be, if to stay, if you're already there and to pursue, if you're not, uh, and again, it's not that every day is just going to be perfect or there's not no. going to be conflict and bumps along the way, but man, life is too short not to pursue. I think that type of resonance, I guess, uh, where we're able to line up what we're naturally good at and what we want to be good at with our daily contribution. Right. We spend a third of our time sleeping and living. The other third of our time, give or take, at work. The other third of our time, we get to pursue other things, whether it's family, a hobby. And so that third matters. And quite often, the third for work, we're spending more time away from our family. So it better be meaningful and matter and be around people that you like and care about and can nurture. So that's so important. That that goes, those dividends pay rewards well beyond the paycheck, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Well, hi, this has been such a great conversation. How can people connect with you and with uh, the work you're doing at NFLEX? LinkedIn is perfect. Hi, Leva. H-I is the first name. Leva is the last name, L-E-V-A. It's also levahi at gmail.com. would love to help anybody if they need help or if there's anybody in my network that can help someone, let me know. Okay, wonderful. Well, again, just uh, so grateful to you for your your generosity and opening up your kind of your world to us and, and sharing these takeaways. Again, if anyone's interested in reading your full article, I know that that's still available on LinkedIn, or at least I believe it is. Is that correct? I can go read the whole thing. It is, Spence. And Spence, I got to tell you, this is such an amazing platform you have. And and you are such a delight to, to talk with and, and learn from and bounce ideas off of. I, if Folks, if this is the first time you're listening to one of these, you should go back and listen to all of them because this is an amazing podcast. Thank you so much for the service you're doing for folks. That's so good of you. Thank you for sharing that. I will, I will pay you later. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> I, I'm grateful that you'd say that because I, I do want to, of course, wanted to add value and you've, you've done a tremendous service to the audience today and, and adding so much value. So uh, blessings to you. Thanks to you. And, and hopefully we can stay connected and continue to build uh, any opportunities to create new things together in the future. Thanks, Spence. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Exploring Leadership Podcast. To access free videos, leadership tools, case studies, tutorials, and more about how to engage your leaders at the next level, visit LumenLeader.com. We'll see you next time.